It's Midday Magazine for Thursday, October 5th. I'm Shelby Herbert. Alaska Seaplanes announced yesterday that it will close its Petersburg and Wrangell locations. Alaska Seaplanes is the only commuter airline service in competition with Alaska Airlines in Southeast Alaska. General Manager Carl Ramseth says the decision did not come lightly. The difficult decision that came came after much deliberation, months and months of deliberation. We uh, think this is the probably the hardest decision I've been involved in personally in my 30 plus years of aviation in Southeast. It's just was not our plan to leave. The closure will take effect for passengers on October 31st and for cargo on October 28th. There are currently twice daily flights between Petersburg and Juneau, which allow residents to take day trips to the capital. Those will end, along with the triangular flights that connect Sitka, Wrangell, and Petersburg three times a week. Alaska Seaplanes began serving Petersburg in April of 2021 and Wrangell in May of 2022. Ramseth says that when seaplanes start serving a community, they have a three-year plan to allow time to build up a presence in the town. This is only the second time Seaplanes has pulled out of a community before that three-year period is up. With Wrangell and Petersburg, it's just bottom line, the traffic, the ridership, the just didn't grow as we had hoped. But low ridership isn't the only factor. Alaska Seaplanes also rely on carrying cargo. That brings in more businesses in smaller communities like Tenakee Springs and Klawak because they are not serviced by Alaska Airlines. Ramseth says that isn't true for Wrangell and Petersburg. One challenge that uh, Wrangell and Petersburg has compared to most of our other communities is we don't carry any mail or UPS and we don't have so much cargo into those communities. So um, that affects the bottom line too. Seaplanes has two part-time employees in Wrangell. Petersburg has one full-time and two part-time workers. All were informed of the closure last week. Ramseth says that while there are jobs with the company for them in other communities, all employees want to stay where they are. The closure is indefinite, although Ramseth says he would love to be able to serve Wrangell and Petersburg again in the future if circumstances change. Alaska Seaplanes isn't the first commuter airline service to call it quits after a short stint in central southeast. Island Air ended its Petersburg to Juneau flights after just nine months in 2018. Scott Van Vallen, co-owner and director of operations, told KFSK that at the time, there was not enough passenger demand on those flights. Petersburg Medical Center has informally secured almost a quarter of the funds they need to build a new hospital. The existing hospital is rapidly falling out of code, and repairing it would cost up to $110 million, which would come out of the borough's pocket. It would cost about $85 million to build a whole new facility. And the board plans to collect that amount from state and federal grants, which would arrive in several phases. At the hospital board meeting on September 28th, PMC CEO Phil Hofstetter announced that he got verbal confirmation from Governor Dunleavy's office that the hospital would receive a state treasury grant amounting to $20 million. He said this is the first wave of funding and it's an important milestone.
that's very, very exciting. That means that we can kind of move forward with uh, the, the work building and the meeting planning and designing for that. So, But they still have many more millions to go. Marlene Cushing is the hospital board secretary. She says PMC can't afford to take out a loan to build a new facility. If they can't bring in all the grants, the board will have to come up with a new plan. I sure hope it comes through. If it doesn't, then we're going to have to go back to square one and say, okay, what are we going to do to get get ourselves through the next 10, 15, 20 years? But in the near future, Hofstetter said he plans to celebrate the first wave of grant funding with more open house events. PMC hosted one such event this spring to prepare the public for the hospital project. They flew in architects from Bettisworth North to share their drafts for the new building, collect feedback, and answer questions. Hofstetter estimated that he'll be ready to organize another informational event closer to the end of the month. Last weekend, 11 members of the Petersburg High School cross-country team competed at the Region 5 cross-country meet in Juneau. Every single one of them qualified for this weekend's state championships in Palmer. 16 teams competed at Juneau's Treadwell Historic Mine Trails. The Petersburg boys took second place as a team. The girls' team did not have the necessary five runners to place as a team, but all four competing girls placed in the top 15, which qualifies all of them for the state championships. Petersburg freshman Maria Toth took second place overall for the girls, and sophomore Alex Holmgrain took fifth place overall for the boys. KFSK's Hannah Floor talked with Coach Casey Gates and several of the runners. Alex Holmgrain was excited about going to regionals, but he said he had mixed emotions. It's something fun. You get the chance to qualify for state, but I mean, you're worried because it's there's the idea of not making it. There's the idea of, oh, it's uh, Juno, which it's one of the harder courses. And so you just kind of, you always have that worry in the back of your head, but you just got to push through. I am Elias Ward. And I guess before doing really any big things such as like cross country, I tend to get nervous. But strangely enough, for like races, I don't get really jittery beforehand. I'm sort of just in a relaxed state and can sort of get into a good place mentally, find my rhythm while running. And that definitely helps a lot. So I want to hear about the actual race. Was there anything that was really hard, surprising? Well, this is probably one of the most difficult courses uh, in the region just because there's like there are a lot of hills and then a lot of sort of downhills, just a lot of fluctuation in the terrain there. Um, This is Maria and Maria Toast. There was definitely um, a lot of mud and especially at the beginning, like the start of the race, there were like a lot of like mud holes and stuff that you had to like run through. And so a lot of people got, like, a bu- bunch of, like, mud splatter, like, on their back, the legs and stuff. It's pretty funny. Um, there also, like, on, along the trail, uh, it's, like, when all the leaves fall, so it was, like, just covered with a bunch of, like, wet leaves. And it was um, pretty tricky um, for the hill parts because they were really steep, like, a lot of steep downhills, too. But overall, the the trail was pretty fun to run. How do you guys feel about going to state? Um, So I've been to state a few times, and state is honestly one of the most fun races because you've gone as far as you probably are going to go, so it's not a super big pressure race, and you can kind of just go and enjoy that one. So it's a really exciting one to go to. I'm sorry, I should have asked you to introduce yourself. You're Kinley Lister. 
Yeah, I'm Kinley. Do you feel like you run differently because of that lack of pressure? Um, I'd say so, just because you don't have to worry about like what's next week. You can just leave it all on the course. Uh, I'm Gabrielle Whitaker. I think that state is usually pretty fun. I've been once last year, and it's kind of the trip that everyone looks forward to because I guess one of the reasons is you're not sleeping in a church or a school. You actually have like a hotel. And um, then also it's kind of what the whole season has been leading up to. And there's less pressure than there is for regionals because regionals is what gets you to state. And if you make it to state, you know you're a good runner. So, Coach, what are you going to do to prepare to help prepare your kids for state? Yeah, uh, the plan this week, really, um, I want to spend the last week of the season of practice enjoying ourselves and having a good time. Kind of as some of the kids have been saying, to me it feels like the work has been kind of put in at this point. Um, the kids are as fit as they're going to be. So I wanted to spend this week um, mentally preparing ourselves by going out, having enjoyable runs, and just getting ready to go out and do the best we can at state. So one last question for you guys, for the runners. Um, I'm curious what you're most proud of this year, this season. I think my favorite thing that I've done has been uh, being able to place uh, overall uh, in the single digits across the state, which I just think is it's a nice accomplishment to have. This is Maria. I'd say um, probably the one thing that I'm most proud of for this entire season, um, I'd probably say being placing first in my first ever meet in Cloak. Um, I think that moment really just gave me a lot of confidence in myself and my running because that was my first high school cross-country meet ever, and I was like, wow, I, I must be really fast. I'd say I'm most proud of the team for showing up every day because we train Monday through Friday um, uh, once the meets have started, and then before that we train Monday through Saturday and just showing up every day and like giving it all you've got. It takes a lot to do that. What about you, Coach Casey? What are you most proud of? Uh, I would have to echo what Kinley said. I'm most proud of the daily consistent effort that these kids have put in, their dedication, their their commitment to the team and to improving, um, and also just the connection and the camaraderie that's been built over the course of the season. I think that's been pretty special to me. It looks like um, these kids have a pretty strong connection with each other, and that's something that I really wanted to develop, and it seems like they have over the course of the season. That was cross-country coach Casey Gates with high school cross-country team members Alex Holmgrain, Elias Ward, Maria Toth, Kinley Lister, and Gabrielle Whitaker. The team heads to Palmer today for the statewide cross-country competition. FedEx has been struggling to keep up with Sitka's shipping needs over the last month. The corporation says it's just a temporary service delay and they're fixing it. But some Sitkins worry that they haven't solved the problem and it's affecting deliveries of everything from pet food to vaccines. Catherine Rose reports. Cooler, shorter days mean cold and flu season is just around the corner. Trish and Dirk White own Harry Race and White's Pharmacies in Sitka, and they've been eagerly awaiting shipments of COVID boosters and flu vaccines. Vaccines arrive by plane, usually in a couple of days. One of those shipments was set to arrive via FedEx in mid-September. We have um, 
about a $4,200 order of high-dose flu vaccine, and we still haven't gotten yet. The tracking number says it's still in Anchorage. Trish White says they received a tracking number from FedEx on September 15th. Ten days later, it still hadn't arrived. In southeast Alaska, weather can frequently delay the mail. White says an extra day or two isn't that unusual. Any more than that risks spoiling the vaccines, which are shipped on ice. But this delay wasn't due to weather. In mid-September, the FedEx office in Sitka closed for more than a week, with packages piling up and no one to deliver them. Robin Schmidt is one of many Sitkins who orders her pet food online to save money. The food she orders from PetSmart always ships via FedEx. I could see that it had been delivered to Sitka, and it was there for over a week. Schmidt noticed that other Sitkins were waiting on packages, too. So one morning when she had some free time, she called FedEx's customer service line. And I conveyed to her that we had a real problem. I threw down my lawyer card (laughs) and I said, there are people on this small, isolated island who are waiting for their medication. Eventually, the customer service representative passed her along to someone up the ladder, a supervisor in FedEx's West Coast division, who listened to her concerns and then did a little digging. Schmidt said the supervisor confirmed what was causing the backlog. The local office was down to just one driver serving the whole island. It's like only having one veterinarian in town. You know, it makes it really hard. One person's down and the whole village is affected. The supervisor told Schmidt they were sending in staff from out of town to open the office. By September 25th, they'd begun to deliver packages again. KCAW reached out to FedEx for an interview to confirm the reason for the delayed shipments and whether Sitka's office was indeed operating with only one driver. Instead, we got a short statement via email. It said, quote, We appreciate our customers' patience as contingency plans are implemented to address a temporary service delay involving our location on Airport Road in Sitka. We are working to restore service levels as quickly as possible and apologize for any inconvenience this may have caused. But whether it's a temporary service delay or chronic understaffing remains unclear. Until last year, FedEx operated two services in Sitka. FedEx Express, and FedEx Ground, which is outsourced, meaning FedEx pays contractors to deliver those packages. But not anymore. In 2022, FedEx eliminated FedEx Ground pickups and deliveries in Alaska in an effort to cut costs. Sure, it's a fun job because you get to make friends with all the local dogs and everybody has so many cute dogs and (laughs) I certainly miss that. (laughs) Elias Erickson is a former delivery driver. He worked for Lickety Split Logistics. That's the company that operated FedEx Ground in Sitka until last year. And while he liked the job, he says it was far from easy. Drivers work long hours and it's physically demanding, not to mention it requires a tremendous amount of organization to deliver hundreds of packages efficiently every day. And again, there's that southeast weather. You can go a few days without seeing any packages, then three days' worth of packages arrive on the plane. Typically, you're, I mean, you're expected to deliver all the packages that are put on your plate um, the day that you deliver them. And, uh, and if you don't, then that just means you're going to have more the next day. Erickson can't speak to the current issues with FedEx's delayed deliveries, but he thinks it's possible that eliminating FedEx ground has ratcheted up pressure on the remaining workers and might be contributing to the problem. 
the decisions that maybe FedEx made on a corporate level um, maybe weren't fully thought through as far as how they would be implemented and what that would look like um, in a rural context such as ours. And I think ultimately um, FedEx might have shot themselves in the foot in that respect. Whether FedEx has adequately addressed staffing at Sitka's office in the long run remains to be seen. But for now, drivers are on the road playing catch up. Eventually, Robin Schmidt's cat food and Trish White's vaccine shipments showed up, though some of the vaccines may have been compromised due to the delay. But White was relieved that a separate shipment arrived on time and ice cold. And I'm thrilled. Got a tracking number last end of last week for an even bigger shipment, like three times that amount. And it arrived today safely. We saw the FedEx truck. It was like Christmas. KCAW was unable to independently confirm how many drivers are currently employed in Sitka. But several Sitkins KCAW spoke to, including White, mentioned one driver they've noticed going above and beyond amid the delays. White said that driver is, quote, incredible and kind of a champion in my book. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.